You're listening to Key Matters from Kappa Kappa Gamma with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and my co-host is Dr. Mary Osborne, the Director of the Stewart House Museum. Thank you for joining us as we travel through the Key Magazine from 1882 to today. All right, I'm excited to talk about 1906. As always, let's begin with some historical context. On March 6th, Nora Blatch became the first woman elected to the American Society of Civil Engineers, and I will speak more about her accomplishments later on. On April 18th, the San Francisco earthquake and fire killed nearly 4,000 people while destroying 75% of the city. In the April issue of The Key, Stanford reported that they did not fare too badly, at least not as badly as San Francisco. Students slept outside for three days because of aftershocks and didn't have electricity for a week. A number of academic buildings, including some newly established, were also destroyed, but uh, Stanford did not have to deal with the fire as San Francisco did. On October 8th, Carl Nessler demonstrated the first permanent wave for hair in London. And on December 4th, Alpha Phi Alpha, the first black Greek letter fraternity was formed. If you were born on any of the following dates, you share your birthday with these noteworthy individuals. Hans Asperger, the Austrian pediatrician and eponym of Asperger syndrome was born in Vienna, Austria, Hungary on February 18th. Josephine Baker, the American French song and dance review artist, um, actress and civil rights activist, was born in St. Louis, Missouri on June 3rd. Dmitry Shostakovich, the Russian composer, was born in St. Petersburg, Russia on September 25th. And Grace Hopper, the American computer scientist and U.S. Navy Admiral who invented the first compiler for a universal computer programming language and is credited with coining the phrase debugging, was born in New York City on December 9th. In 1906, we lost the following historical figures. On January 16th, Marshall Field, the American entrepreneur and founder of Marshall Field and Company died at the age of 71. On February 9th, the African-American dialect poet, Paul Lawrence Dunbar died at the age of 33 in Dayton, Ohio. On April 19th, Pierre Curie, the French physicist and husband of Marie Curie died in a cart accident at the age of 46. And on December 30th, Josephine Butler, the English feminist and social reformer who campaigned against human trafficking, died at the age of 78. Now to look more closely at the issues of the 1906 key, um, I'll talk about some shared themes. So um, as always, the, the theme of service is discussed um, in these issues. So Kappas are posing the questions, what is the chapter's place within the college system? And what is the individual member's place within the chapter? One of your favorite Kappas, Kylie Juliet Stewart Points uh, from Barnard concludes in a report published in the January issue that fraternities are essentially college organizations. They should not be in competition with the college nor do anything that is detrimental to its mission. More members urge that service take a physical form rather than remaining an ideal. Within the chapter itself, service might translate into maintaining a cheerful attitude, encouraging rather than criticizing a sister or helping to keep the chapter house neat. 
the emphasis on service once again stems, I think, from lar the larger ongoing conversations about anti-fraternity sentiment and the dangers of rushing, as you pointed out in the 1905 episode. A comment by Margaret Hart Bailey uh, from Barnard illustrates this point. The list of rushing parties, receptions, and dances in the 10 days period before Pledge Day is nothing short of ridiculous and certainly most undignified for girls who are old enough to go to college. Finally, new fraternity president Mary D. Griffith reminds us of what she considers to be the proper hierarchy of our social identification. She says, above all, let us remember that we are first of all women, second college women, and last fraternity women. And that quote is in the October issue on page 240. Now to move on to alumni associations. During convention in Madison, Wisconsin, a national alumni association was established. Associations were now given the power to vote on certain questions. In the past few issues of the key, there had been an uptick in conversation about what role the alumni association should play in the life of the fraternity. Mabel Hayward from Illinois and representing the Chicago Alumni Association called for the associations to take an active interest and support the national fraternity. Hayward reasoned that existing for purely social reasons gave associations little leverage at convention. One way the alumni could support the fraternity was through contributing to the scholarship fund, which was formalized in October, 1906. And now for alumni news, this section or these sections of the key are growing as, as expected as the alumni associations become more popular and as we, as Kappa has more alumni, more, more college graduates. So Dr. Crawford uh, from Psy Chapter at Cornell was in medical school and her friend, Nora Staten Blatch had accepted a position with the American Bridge Company. Tate Hearts of Coombs and her cousin, Miss Scott embarked on a trip around the world. And uh, in a letter, she says the chief item of interest to Kappas was finding members of the, of the fraternity scattered about in foreign countries. She met them unexpectedly on shipboard, on a tennis court in Japan, and in a mission station in China, wherever she might be. So again, to reiterate your point about uh, wearing your badge, you, might, you don't know who you might run into. And because you know how interested I am in medical history, Dr. Mary Bradford of Illinois Wesleyan returned to her home in Lexington, Illinois on furlough from Tabriz, Persia, which is now Iran, where she was serving as a medical missionary. She was a Presbyterian who went over in 1888 and was in Tabriz during a cholera epidemic. She established a hospital for women and children in that city. Treating women and children was one of the few ways women physicians could practice their art. And it's interesting that usually wherever women make inroads in one discipline, that progress is mutually beneficial for other women. For example, Dr. Emily dunning Barringer from Cornell had recently been appointed the physical examiner of Sage College. And we see that later on, just a few years really, women physicians um, are appointed by uh, by companies to monitor the health of their, their female employees. So as companies get to hire more women to do secretarial work or, or to, work, uh, to work in factories, they do, they do need um, medical care and you know, attention for accidents on the job or just to monitor their overall health. And 
that is an opportunity for women physicians to, um, to make some inroads in, in their profession. And I saved chapter news for last. Um, Beta Iota at Swarthmore College reports that Lila K. Willits, one of our charter members, also visited us. And that was interesting to me because I did wonder if Lila was any relation to Anna Willett's family. Their last names are spelled the same. And Anna's parents, her, her father's parents were from Pennsylvania. So maybe there is a connection there. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think we can find that? I think so. I think it would take a little digging on ancestry, but I think it's possible. Yeah. Sci chapter at Cornell lists Elizabeth Bruin, and I may be mispronouncing her name, so I apologize to any of her relatives who might be listening, her last name is spelled B-R-U-Y-N, so I assume it's pronounced Bruin. Um, she was an active member in 1906 with the special designation status. Now, I found out that Elizabeth Bruin was a physician and ambulance surgeon from Brooklyn, and she does appear in Dr. Crawford's war correspondence, where, where I actually first read her name and wondered about her. But from what I can determine, um, Dr. Bruin was a friend of Dr. Crawford's and was studying in Germany when the Great War began. She escaped to England and eventually made it safely back to the United States. And Dr. Bruin attended Dr. Crawford's family, particularly uh, Mary's mother, Sarah, uh, from time to time. So I um, was excited to see her name in the key and was able to piece together a little bit more about her life and that will go in my annotations for Dr. Crawford's diary and uh, work correspondence. What did you mention though? Her status was special status? Special status. I, like I assume, oh, I assume that's because she, she may have been in medical school. So she was, oh, she may have been oh, a graduate and. I gotcha. Okay. And to round out the chapter news, one of your favorite Kappas, Juliet Stewart points made Phi Beta Kappa. Hey. And now for a few odds and ends. Uh, in October 1905, University of Illinois, the University of Illinois erected a women's hall. And as far as I can determine this purpose of this hall, because they did not have dormitories, um, it would be similar to a campus center today. It was exclusively for women. So they had their own gymnasium and club rooms and, and all, all types of, of amenities. In the April issue, the president of Delta Ta Delta, Frank Wieland, submitted a letter praising Kappa Kappa Gamma for its activities and ideals. And in this letter, he also stated that it was a tradition in his chapter, Ada, for a Delta to marry a Kappa. <laughs> and I thought this was funny because Minnie Stewart's brother, William K. Stewart, was a member of Delta Ta Delta and he did marry a Kappa. He Ada, Ada Mariner was the Kappa. So there you go. Was uh, his first wife in a sorority? No, Mary, I, I'd have to look back at my notes to be 100% certain of what I'm about to say, but I believe that Mary entered, she may have entered college. She took a few classes and I'm not sure if this was at Lombard or Monmouth, but she had to drop out and take care of their mother, uh, Mary and Edith's mother, uh, Lucretia, who was either an invalid or she had a long illness. And so that Mary Mariner Stewart never finished, never graduated, never earned a degree. Okay. And you played Mary 
No, I played Isabel. Uh, Mary, Mary was already dead. <laughs> Mary was dead by the time we were in a, the setting of the play. So no, but Mary's original uh, headstone is on the Stuart House grounds. Oh, okay. So I that's the one that's yeah. We have a we have a couple other things. Yeah, that belong to Mary. Her book of household management and cookbook is here. Uh, okay. So, um, so that is all the news. All the that is all the Kappa news from 1906. Until next time. All the news to know. Good sign off. You've been listening to Key Matters, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, the Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Research and production is done by the director of the Stewart House Museum and member of Alpha Deuteron Chapter at Monmouth College, Dr. Mary Osborne, and me, Kylie Smith, from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College, and the archivist and museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.